Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. What I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. As always, a lot to get to here on this Wednesday show. Appreciate you carving some time to be with us here, hopefully live at 11 o'clock. And of course, if you miss the live show, you can always find us as a podcast. We're available basically anywhere you might listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you will find us there. But glad to have you with us here on this Wednesday edition of our program. Let's take a look at the show lineup, a service of Honeybake Tam in New Albany. Segment one, we've got our daily headlines, a couple recruiting things to get to, a final update on Flory Badunga. We know he is not going to pick Indiana, but a little bit more about his forthcoming college decision. And a little IU football news, or at least some headlines here uh, as we start to think more about college football. We're headed into the back end of July. College football is next up on tap, and uh, this Indiana football team uh, with a lot to prove. We'll see where they're at in the hierarchy of an always strong Big Ten conference, so we'll discuss that some here in our opening segment as well. Uh, Also, a couple Little League notes. We've got some additional teams, the Floyd Snobs uh, softball, the Junior League team. They're looking for a Central Region Championship. And then New Albany in the 11-year-old baseball division. They are playing later today for a state championship as well. And as always, we wish all the locals representing our community, their local community, the very best in some of these big Little League opportunities. Uh, Later in the show, we'll be joined by Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star. Dustin covers the Hoosiers, but he joins us on Wednesdays. Excuse me, Dustin covers the Pacers, but he joins us on Wednesdays to talk IU, to talk recruiting, to talk uh, just about anything related to college basketball and really the sport of basketball. He'll be with us today. And then a little bit later in the show, we'll be joined by Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, as we start to think more and more about high school football as well. We get to this point where it's basketball, basketball, basketball. And now with NIL and especially the transfer portal and the July recruiting periods, uh, it really, we wind up talking basketball predominantly on this show from basketball season back in November, December all the way through the NCAA tournament into the summer. And it's at this point where basketball, other than recruiting, really starts to fade. And so now football on tap, and that's what we'll be talking about 
uh, today with uh, some with Dustin, IU football as well, and uh, high school football with Josh Cook when he joins us a little bit later uh, in the show. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Let's uh, remind you, oh, the Thornton's text line, that number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy, cold, Thirst Quencher to keep your day going in the right direction. Right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's and send us a text on the Thornton's text line, that number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. 1453 Indiana football players named preseason all Big Ten by Pro Football Focus. Those players, All-American sophomore Jalen Lucas. He is on the first team as a kick returner. Senior receiver Cam Camper. He was named to the second team. And junior punter James Evan. He is on the third team. Again, this is the preseason all Big Ten teams. A lot of different publications put these out. Pro Football Focus is one I always read through, especially to kind of get ready for the upcoming season. So those are three names on the IU football roster, especially Jalen Lucas, that I think you can expect to hear a lot about this season. And we'll see how the Hoosiers, as we draw closer to some of the preseason activities, fall camp, Big Ten media days just around the corner, We'll see how this Indiana team stacks up and what some of these national publications and college football insiders think about IU's chance. And really, for me, when it's college football season, yeah, we follow Indiana, but it's also more about the Big Ten because whether you like or don't like Ohio State, they are often at the uh, top of the conversation with the Alabamas and others in college football. So we'll see how the Big Ten overall is expected to do this season. Flory Bedunga, a lot of conversation about him over the last year or so as he absolutely exploded onto the national scene. We talked earlier this week that he is not, it does not appear, going to choose Indiana. He's got a Final Four of Auburn, Duke, Kansas. And I had left off a of school when we were talking about him earlier in the week. But Michigan is also on that list as well. A lot of people uh, are really intrigued with Bedunga. I've had a lot of feedback. Why could Indiana not land this guy? Well, Duke came in late. Auburn has been solid with him the entire time. Kansas, obviously, a national-level program. Michigan is a little surprising. Maybe there's a connection there with Jawan Howard. But, you know, Cincinnati was another school that Bedunga had some connections to through the AAU circuit and other people involved in our state. I really thought they would be a contender for him down to the wire as well, but they aren't. They're not in his final four. So I think a a few surprises. We're thinking about it from an IU perspective, obviously, first and foremost, but I think a few surprises and a few late twists and turns with the recruitment of uh, Bedunga. And a good point made yesterday by Mike Schumann on this show, yes, Badunga is a miss for Indiana. Yes, he's a miss for Mike Woodson and the coaching staff, um, but he isn't 
truly an in-state player. And I'm not trying to make anything up or cover for them or anything like that. He's a guy that came into Kokomo. Obviously, he's a foreigner that came into the country, has played basketball at Kokomo now. Uh, this will be, what, season three coming up his senior year. Uh, so it's not like, uh, as Mike said yesterday, he's been in the state and was raised around the rivalry of Indiana and Purdue and has this love affair with uh, Hoosier basketball and high school basketball in our state. little different situation for him, but definitely a miss. There's no way to cover it up, and it really projects Derek Queen and Patrick and Gongba uh, to a much more important level when it comes to 2024 recruiting uh, in the front court for the Hoosiers. I don't think there's any question about that. Badunga has taken an official visit to each of his four finalists. Uh, no date set to make his de- uh, uh, decision. But the last report I saw that uh, was he planned to maybe make his decision before school started back. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but definitely a miss for Indiana. So while Flory won't be a Hoosier, we will get a chance to see him and follow him throughout his senior year at Kokomo. And uh, he, he alone makes them a contender to come out of 4A North as they did a year ago and compete for a state championship. He is a unbelievable prospect was really hoping Indiana would get him just so we could cover him for four years. He is explosive and talented, his best basketballs ahead. I would be shocked at some point if Flory Badunga is not an NBA player. Whether he'll be a star or not, who knows. Whether he'll be a long-termer or not, who knows. But uh, definitely a miss for the IU basketball program. And I wanted to bring it up again today because I've heard from a number of you that say, you know, what what in the world's going on? But definitely, definitely a miss for Mike Woodson and the IU coaching staff. Liam McNeely, another key player, a, a five-star forward in the 2024 class. He is set to make a visit, a return visit to Indiana. We told you earlier this week that he mentioned he would like to come during football season. And according to multiple reports out there, he is going to take a senior year official visit September 8th through the 10th. Uh, He told the Daily Hoosier and Mike Schumann, our friend who joins us each uh, Tuesday on the show. So he visited IU last September. I think it was a football uh, game weekend at home for the Hoosiers uh, that time as well, and he's back for another visit. Just seems very important, uh, an opportunity to get him back here in the senior year. If you don't remember McNeely from Montverde Academy, well, he's originally from Plano, Texas, but he uh, plays high school basketball at Montverde Academy, which has been a good connection for Indiana here in recent years. And uh, he's got a number of schools after him, a lot of scholarship offers, but Indiana is in his top eight, so Indiana somewhat a contender for him. I know he's considering Texas and Kansas. I think Michigan is in on him as well, Alabama, Oklahoma, and maybe it was just the top six. I believe those, in addition to Indiana, are the six schools that he is still uh, considering. But uh, definitely uh, a, a name to know for sure. I feel like Derek Queen and Liam McNeely uh, are the big ones as far as the front court goes for Indiana coming out of the summer months, that is for sure. Uh, also, the uh, Little League, let's talk about that for a minute, Floyd's Knobs Community Club, the softball junior league all-star team, they really are trying to make a run at the World Series. They begin play at the Central Region Tournament Thursday afternoon, tomorrow afternoon, 
which is at Pendleton Heights High School, so in the state of Indiana. But the region is above the state and one step away from the World Series. So we'll see how this Floyd's Knobs team can do. But, boy, they've had a lot of success over the years. And a lot of the Floyd's Knobs teams, as we mentioned earlier in the week, have had success in state tournaments this year. New Albany in baseball, their 11-year-old team will play for a state championship tonight. 11-year-old is that division right between the majors, which is the one you see on ESPN later in the summer, and the minor division, which is 10-year-old. So it doesn't always get the attention or credit, but definitely a big opportunity for sure for the uh, team to play in a state championship game regardless of the age group. So good luck to all of our local teams still alive playing Little League Baseball and softball across the region here right now. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. This is a little bit of a stretch here, but I wanted to mention this. I know we have a lot of basketball people that listen to this show and are familiar, or at least years ago, were familiar with the Spies Fieldhouse in Fort Wayne. It was the first big-time basketball facility that I remember in the country, but definitely in the Midwest. I think 10 or 12 courts under one roof. When it first opened, there were all sorts of uh, sports-related businesses, a restaurant, sporting goods store. I think there were athletic trainers and rehabilitators in the facility as well. But if you played basketball in our state or coached basketball in our state, whether it was for the AAU stuff, the Spies Run and Slam a tournament, which is a big deal, or high school team camps, it's a place that everybody has, has seemed to, to be at over the years. And a lot of basketball has been played in that building. Now, since it opened and has gotten some age on it, it obviously isn't what it was. It was the mecca of basketball in our state really at one time. There's been another facility similar but smaller and more modern open in Fort Wayne. But I saw a story last week that somebody sent me that the Spies Fieldhouse, as of now, is no longer going to be basketball. A company has leased the building, purchased the building, whatever the agreement is. They are going to turn it into a pickleball facility, indoor pickleball courts. And that shows you in a basketball state like Indiana, this building with the tradition it has, one of the first basketball facilities at that scale, that level in the country, going away and becoming a pickleball facility. What a growing sport pickleball is. It is amazing the number of people that I know that are hooked, that are getting involved, getting addicted to it. And it's uh, people of all age groups, people of all genders. Uh, when I saw that story, I thought, unbelievable that this Spice Field House, which has been the king of hoops in our state for so long when it comes to the travel ball, especially years ago, is going away and becoming an indoor pickleball club. If I saw some photos this morning, it's it's unbelievable. So just a sidebar note there, I uh, thought it was really interesting. Thornton's text line open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450 if you got a question on IU basketball, football, whatever you want to talk about with Dustin Dopirak or Josh Cook coming up later on high school football and local sports. Uh, shout out to a Little League team, whatever it may be. The number 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with Dustin of the Indianapolis Star, followed by Josh of the News and Tribune. Lots more discussion coming your way here on this Wednesday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. and for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Wednesday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us as we talk with Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star. Dustin covers the Pacers for the Star, but talks really all things basketball, including Indiana with us each Wednesday here on the program. Dustin, the NBA Summer League has concluded, so we can't follow Trace Jackson Davis or Jalen hood Shafino there What's next for basketball fans like you and I? Is it the TBT, the $1 million tournament? I guess that tips off very soon. It does. I mean, I think it's already ruling it. What's the TBT situation? Let me let me Google that while we're talking. <laughs> um, I, I, I think they're started, right? Um, I believe maybe some of the regionals have. I think the one down here in our neck of the woods over at Freedom Hall gets started maybe next week. I've seen some... Uh, media hits on it recently, I believe. But I think I told you this, Dustin. I was in Dayton last year for Mm -hmm. the million-dollar game. It wasn't Mm -hmm. interesting from a basketball standpoint of knowing the players. They, I think it was a Buffalo uh, team from the University of Buffalo alumni that won it. But the -hmm. fact that a million dollars was on the line, the excitement as that game uh, drew to a close, it it was pretty interesting. And Dayton, uh, a good host for the finals, a lot of fans in the building. I got to say, it was, it was interesting. It helps fill a void. That's for sure. No, absolutely. And I think, and Dayton's just a great place to have a basketball game, obviously, uh, uh, by virtue of Indiana being in uh, both of the first four recently, and, and then they obviously had the regionals there in 2013. Uh, have got to be in Dayton a few times, and it's—I mean—it's really just a great place for NCAA events, and it's—it's a, it's a great arena um, for uh, for anything. Just the way it's set up, I mean, basically just just very sort of intimate, and also um, you know just uh, noisy when it's supposed to be. It's a great place for it, and yeah, I mean, I, I've always liked the the idea of the event because I mean, you're sort of just reminded just how many. People out there can really, really play, um, and you know, and, and frankly, how many guys out there there are that uh, that were great players that can get back in shape real quick, even if they've been out of the game for a while. If you say, "Hey, there's going to be this tournament, we're going to play for a million dollars," you know, they can kind of gear back up. I mean, and so you see these guys, and you're reminded, well, what, what, what about that guy? Like, wow, you know, like Aaron Kraft, and you know, stuff like that for Ohio State. I mean, some of those guys, you know, can be out of the game, can be coaching, can be doing something else. Um, but they come together for this tournament, and all of a sudden you're reminded of just how many talented players are still out there that, that you know that don't make it. I mean, it, which again, you're reminded just how tough it is to really make it in basketball. Uh, there's just not that many spots for a lot of people who play, um, and there's a lot of really good players that you that you see back for this. You're kind of reminded of some old favorites. Um, you know, I, I I remain surprised that IU has not pulled it off um, at, at any point yet. They, there was talk about it a couple years back. I want to say it was about 2019, 2020, because that was the pandemic, but I, I think 2019, maybe 2021, um, there was some discussion about getting an IU team, and I'm surprised that hasn't been a, a, a thing that's uh, caught more fire because you would think there's be a lot of guys available for that. Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Yeah, Alex Bozich and I have had that conversation here on this show a few times as a basketball state with all the people and companies and those that could get behind it, help organize it, help fund a TBT team of Hoosier alumni, 
you would think that it would happen. I think at one point there were plans for there to be one. I know that uh, the uh, creator of the TBT has said on this show he hopes at some point to get to Assembly Hall and have some sort of uh, regional or something in that facility. And uh, But you would think that there would be an IU alumni team, and I've got to believe at some point in the future it will come together. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I, 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 like, I tried to get a hold of, I mean, I tried to get a hold of, I mean, DM'd, so I don't even know who the person was. Um, but I remember there was an account that started naming, you know, players who were going to play, and, it, and there, I think they got it maybe two or three. I remember Devontae Green was the first one, which I, I think was one was a cool thing because I, I do think Devontae Green's willing to, willingness to play you anywhere, anytime, and go just hoop wherever uh, was underrated for as much as, he, you know, he's a guy who didn't have much of a conscience when it came to shooting the ball. Like, he could be a fun basketball player, and he was, a, he was a, you know, the, the definition of the term baller, and I thought that was cool that when they got, when it immediately got off the ground, Devontae Green was the first guy to sign up. Um, but I don't, I don't know where they lost momentum. I mean, I, I want to say they, they named maybe two, three guys, and that was the end of it. So I don't know what fell short. Um, and I know, I remember Derek Elson had some kind of connection to it. Um, but that's, that's about all I know. But I mean, you know, again, a lot of those guys are still available. I mean, you could get Christian Watford, you could get, you know, Will Sheehy to play, uh, you know, I'm presuming. I just, I actually just saw Will at Summer League, which is really cool because he's, uh, an, uh, an analyst with the Warriors now. Um, so those guys would be, you know, you, you would think those guys would be available. I mean, like, I, I don't think there's any rule against college coaches playing, so I'm sure you could get Jordy Hollis to play. You know, there's three. You know, just right out of the 2013 gate. There's got to be some guys from that 2016 team uh, that are still available that aren't playing uh, anywhere professionally, or, or if they are, they're certainly not in the NBA. You know, obviously you're not getting OG Ananobi, you're not getting Victor, as he's still working through injury, you're not getting Cody Zeller, but after that, there's guys, you know, available from, from just from those two teams that I would think you put a pretty good team together, uh, and some other bits and pieces just o- over the years since. It, it just it seems certainly possible, and, and you would certainly think that there are a bunch of guys out of that group that would be willing to organize it, put it together. Like you said, sponsorship shouldn't be hard at all. Uh, it, it seems like it's pretty ready-made. I'm interested. I, I, I would love to know why it hasn't happened. It seems uh, more of a surprise that it hasn't happened yet than if it would. Yeah, I just saw something earlier today from Rick Bozich of WDRB that the Louisville alumni team that is going to host <laughs> some games at Freedom Hall, they are going after an attendance record. I haven't read the full deal to know if it's at the regional level or overall for the TBT but definitely there's there's been some build up and hype to that so let's hope for people like you and I and I know many listeners of this show that love basketball uh, that Indiana mm-hmm. gets an alumni team very soon mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely that's definitely something that would would add some juice to it for here I mean it's uh, again, it, it's always something worth watching you know I, mean, I tend to make baseball the priority of my my entertainment at this point in the year but it's it's definitely something worth seeing. Every once in a while, you stumble across it, and it's uh, it, it's usually a good time. You see guys getting after it. The you know, Elam ending. As much as I don't want to see it in the NBA or college basketball, it's it's fun in this. Uh, you know, it fits in this event. Um, so it, it's all in all fun basketball. It's all in all fun thing to have. You know, towards the end of the summer. Absolutely, Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star with us talking some hoops here to begin this segment today. 
for IU, really right now it's about recruiting and trying to line up some visits and after some of these key July evaluation periods, see where they stand with some of the top players in 2024. Indiana continues to cast a wide net, but in 2024, it seems we're at the point now that some folks are off the board that Liam McNeely and Boogie Fland and Patrick Ngongba, Derek Queen, those names beginning to rise to the top as uh, players that IU staff and even fans are beginning to really focus in on. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it, you're starting to see some beginning of, you know, the funnel is starting to sort of shrink down or, or however you sort of describe what happens with the funnel when you get closer to the bottom of it. Um, yeah, I mean, it does seem like they're starting to, you know, uh, sort of rally around the guys who think they have a shot at. Obviously, earlier this week, Fiore Benunga uh, announced his top four and Indiana was not a part of it. Um, but it does seem like they were sort of prepared for that, uh, and that Indiana, or that, that Derek Queen was somebody they've been after. I know they've been after him for a while. I remember uh, checking him out when I was on the beat a couple years back, uh, and uh, you know Indiana came to see him at a tournament up in Westfield. So they're de- they're definitely um, start again starting to to rally around some guys, starting to check into some players, or not so much check in, but starting to get a sense of who they really want here. Um, so yeah, McNeely is a guy they've been after for a while. Queen's a guy they've been after for a while. You mentioned Fland. Um, it does seem like they're starting to get a sense of, of who they can really get and who they're after, and you're starting to see them make some decisions that seem to um, be you know, showing their hand, I guess, a little bit. Dustin Dopirak, the Indianapolis star, my guest. Uh, when it comes to recruiting, Indiana, there's always a great debate in-state or best players in the country regardless of location. So far in Mike Woodson's early years, when you look at his recruiting, and I know the transfer portal uh, puts a whole other level into recruiting and roster management and building a team, but Mike Woodson and his staff, given their connections, where they're from, seem to have taken the approach that we are going to recruit the very best. If the best happen to be in, in Indiana, that that is wonderful. We'll give some attention to guys in Indiana along the way. But while Indiana players are important and in-state guys I know are feel-good stories, especially for fans, this staff seems to be focused on who they think can best fit the mold of what they're trying to build in Bloomington and not necessarily just protecting borders or taking a guy from Indiana because he's from the Hoosier State boundaries. Yeah, and, and that's, that's fancy. <laughs> it's one of those things that I, mean, I think that just having having watched this for a while and, and obviously seen several coaches, you know, approach it different ways, and, and, and frankly, uh, having seen Tom Crean approach it two different ways uh, in the course of his tenure based on just things that happened and basically the, the way uh, his tenure broke, um, you know, I, I think obviously what Mike Woodson has shown, uh, his strength in recruiting is uh, obviously he can explain to guys, I've been to the NBA, I can get you there. Uh, you know, that, that obviously is his number one message, and that's allowed him, I think, to get um, some high-level talent, some high-level players. Certainly, I think uh, Jalen Hurtchifino makes for a really great case study for him that he could say, hey, went and got this guy from Montverde, he was here for a year, sent him to the NBA, he's, he, you know, arguably... Um, one of the most game-ready uh, NBA point guards. Probably was most NBA game-ready point guard uh, who played in college last year. Obviously, Scoot Henderson was more more of a lead, uh, you know, in a point guard, but coming out of G League Ignite. But out of anybody who played college basketball, uh, you could argue that that Huchifino was the most game-ready. I mean, Anthony Black gets the points for being bigger, uh, but Huchifino is particularly ready to do what he does, and I was really impressed with how he looked in summer league. So he's able to take that. 
argument on the road and say, you know, to, to you know, obviously he can go to, to Liam McNeely and Mont- Montverde and say, hey, I, I took Jalen Huchifino someplace. Obviously, uh, you know, you're a top 10 player. I can get you there. You know, you know, Boogie Flynn, the combo guard, you know, that, that, at a place like Stepan Act that's, that's produced some really high-level talent over the years, he can say, hey, you know, uh, I've turned, you know, players like you uh, into pros. You know, he could even go down this list and make that case. Uh, to pretty much everybody. I mean, I think, um, you know, Derek Queen, um, the same, another Montbert guy, he's obviously had Malik Renew in. Renew didn't have as good of a year as maybe was expected, but, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be really good still. Um, and he can make this case. He can stay in on a Dylan Harper, uh, you know, and, and have a chance, um, you know, there with, with uh, obviously with, with the top player in the country in the 2024 class. Um, so that helps him out there. But, I mean, I, I do think that, um, it is still important for him to maintain a foothold in Indiana because, I mean, you, you, it, it can't just be the top guys that, you know, you can't just go to program with top guys. And you want to be able to have guys that you can trust. When you're going out there and you're fighting Duke and North Carolina and Kansas for every guy, you're not going to bat a thousand. I'm going to get the idea of casting, uh, you know, putting as many, you know, uh, hooks in the water as you can and, you know, presuming you're going to get a few of them. Um, so, I mean, it, you have to get elite talent. At the end of the day, you have to get both. You have to be able to have a base that brings you enough players that you're getting at least a baseline level of talent every year. Um, and, you know, just creating these sort of foundational pieces, bringing in guys that want to stay for four years, uh, et cetera. And then you've got to go get NBA level talent. Um, that, that's, you know, sort of central to that too. And you've got to be willing to, to scour the earth for it. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I wonder about the long-term balance. I, I think Woodson's proven that he can convince high school kids to come play for him and convince them that he can turn, take them to the NBA. But there is, a, I think, a broader, you know, sort of recruiting plan that you've got to be able to do to put together put together whole teams. Uh, and that, I think, is sort of what I'm still waiting to see. Like, I, I do think, you know, when you look at just, uh, you know, obviously I haven't been around, you know, I haven't been at going to AAU events like, I, you know, I'm sorry not to say AAU, grassroots events like I would have, obviously, if I was still on the beat and seeing, you know, where they're going, where they're devoting resources, who they're watching. Do they still have somebody watching Indiana Elite just to make sure everybody still knows they're there? Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know what they're doing as far as that's concerned, but I'm looking down the 24-7 list and prospects in 2024. I'm not saying Indiana next to a lot of names other than Yuri Badunga. Um, so I, just, I do think you have to maintain a foothold. It's still your greatest natural resource is the Indiana basketball coach is the fact that the state produces a lot of uh, talent per capita. You know, again, you have to strike the balance. You can't make them think that you're going to build your entire team on kids from here. Um, but you have to be willing to go here and, and, you know, protect the border on some level. Uh, you don't have to get all of them. You know, you don't have to beat Purdue for everybody they want. Um, but there are players here that can help you, and you've got to be aware of that. I know that uh, the offseason gives us an opportunity to dive into some other things, but with Coach Woodson and his really short time here at Indiana so far, I think overall fans who uh, sometimes their opinions widely vary, but I think fans would give Coach Woodson and his staff a good score, a good letter grade at this point. Uh, From an objective spot in things, and as a guy like you that's followed college basketball, the Big Ten, and IU now for a long time, how do you score Mike Woodson so far in his time in Bloomington? I mean, he absolutely scores high. I mean, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I, I like what I, I. I'm sort of waiting to see some other things play out to, to call it perfect or whatever. And obviously, he's he's been to two NCAA tournaments in two years. That's a big deal considering you know where things were at. I mean, he really had to 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 really change. Um, you know, like I don't know what Archie messed up or didn't mess up, but ultimately, just the 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 mood was pretty dour. 
at the end of the Miller era. And, and you know, it, it certainly wasn't like a, a catastrophe the same way that, you know, the, the Calvin Sampson recruiting scandal was. You weren't, you're not talking about, you know, people getting kicked out and potted plants being thrown and Fs and whatever else that, that Tom, like, you know, marched into. But there just wasn't the mood. You know, it just, they, they, they just hit, you know, not come close to making the tournament. Obviously, you're in the middle of a uh, pandemic at that point, and you know you had the whole NCAA tournament in the state of Indiana, and Indiana wasn't in it. Um, so things were pretty rough at that point, and obviously it just it didn't take very long for him to kind of just get everybody's mind right and go get a couple players that were able to really change the game quickly, change up the dynamic uh, of some team on, teams on a short level basis. You know, I mean, like. I, you know, if if you're if you're grading as if, as if you are a teacher, you you give them an A for that. I mean, there's there's nothing that you can really pick at and say, well, you screwed this up or you messed this up or, or there's something wrong here. Um, you know, it's it's well done. I mean, it, it doesn't mean you know you're a Hall of Famer after two years of this uh, of doing it this way. But I mean, I think he uh, he he's, he's done a really good job. I mean, it, it matters that he was able to keep Trace around for a couple years. It matters that he was able to go get Huchifino and Renew. It matters that you know in this off season when he was going to have a lot of turnover, uh, you know he got some I think important transfers, Kelly Ware, and also went out and got uh, Mackenzie Bobro to get a, a real blue chip recruit and take him right out of the hands of Kansas. You know that's a big deal. I mean he, he's done a lot of really good things. He's he's created a new connection, um, yeah, a, a connection to the alumni that nobody who didn't play at IU could do. Um, that, that no matter how hard you tried, no matter what you did, what you invested in in terms of outreach, and, I, and again, I know I will absolutely stand up for Tom Crean on this. I mean, he really, really, really tried uh, to make connections with old players, with old coaches, um, with, with everybody who built IU. And it's just not easy because they just may, as long as they don't have somebody that's, that's of that night lineage, there was going to be some reticence on the part of, of a lot of those folks. Um, and they don't have that anymore with what, what's in there. They, everybody wants to be a part of it. Um, and it sort of allows a, a lot of the bad blood to kind of flush out. And so ultimately, um, Woodson has done everything, pretty much everything right that he could. I mean, you, you could go down and, uh, pick apart, you know, in-game strategy and, and things and say, well, he should have done this here. He should have done that here. Maybe if he calls a timeout here, or if he subbed differently that way, maybe they win this game. You know, th- there might be something along board. But for, from a big picture perspective, there's no doubt that he's uh, that he's done a really good job. Again, I, I want to see more to see about the sustainability um, over time, and, and I, I'm very interested to see how this group looks now. That they've had to shake it up a lot, um, you know, with Jackson Davis moving on and, and Hochevino obviously moving on. Um, I'm very interested to see how they look with, with those guys gone. Um, but ultimately, I, I don't think you can really do it to complain in, in any real way about what he's accomplished in you know two full seasons. All right, Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star. Dustin, as we let you go, the Pacers uh, recap their time in Vegas. Was it successful, and what's the hope for some of these youngsters moving forward for the uh, NBA franchise here in Indiana? Yeah, no, at the end of the day, yeah, I think the, a lot of the important things got done. Um, you know, obviously these games don't count, and, you know, once they uh, decided, you know, to shut down uh, the returners, the, the, the three guys that, that were playing that were second- or third-year guys that are going to be second- or third-year guys in 2023-24, um, you know, once they shut down Benedict Mather and Andrew Nemhard and Isaiah Jackson, it was obviously a different team. I mean, they were really defending well in those first two games. Uh, you just saw a, a lot of pretty good cohesion, and, and when you take away, you know, obviously Andrew Nemhard's got some, uh, experience as a point guard, you know, played a lot when Halliburton was out, um, and also was a winner at Gonzaga, just a flat-out winner over there, and so you take him out, and there was a lot less organization, and Mather and, and 
Jackson are just two really good players. So you're really putting it on the rookies uh, to maintain from there, and certainly everybody else is really taken out of their, a lot of their top guys after two games too. Um, but you know, you just you know they just they weren't very impressive in the last three games. Um, but you know, I, I thought, like I said, all those returners played well. I thought you saw Andrew Nembhard really look sharp. Uh, I thought Isaiah Jackson really looked energized, and I think he put himself in good position to compete for that the backup minutes behind Miles Turner at center. Uh, Matherin again. He's just been a Matherin. This guy's going to go get buckets. You know, I mean, he was just probably chasing him a little bit much. He was averaging 18 shots a game, and that's a little much. But, you know, he, he did what I would expect him to do, is just go try to score. And, you know, uh, he, he's sort of a little bit too good to be playing in that event. So, you know, I think he was trying to, to, to you know, keep up with Jabari Smith, you know, try to go for that scoring title. He didn't quite get there. But, um uh, you know, out of the rookies, I thought Jairus Walker showed out pretty well. I mean, he didn't shoot the ball particularly well, ended up uh, 34% from the field, and that's not great. But you really saw the defensive versatility, you know, and even the offensive versatility. Even though he wasn't really putting the ball in the bucket that much, you could see he could, he could handle the ball in the open floor. He could bring it up without a problem. He played point guard as a sophomore at IMG, and, and, and you could see a lot of those, uh, a lot of that muscle memory is still there. You know, again, he can, he can handle the ball in the open floor. He can handle the ball in some tight spaces really, really passes well. I mean, some really sharp ones, both in the half-court settings, kind of close to the bucket, but also uh, in transition, kind of threads the needle a couple of times. So I, mean, I think that you see that as a little bit of a weapon. Uh, defensively, I mean, he was able to get out of the perimeter and, the, and pick the pocket of some guys. He's got some super quick hands, which I don't think I, I do, uh, were, were that good. I mean, he was able to just take it off of some ball handlers um, on the perimeter and then really got up uh, for some blocks, really just swallowed one dunk hole. He's really good at rotating. Uh, and all that's going to be really valuable. And, 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 you know, I don't think he'll start right away with the top in addition. I think you'll see OB starting to begin with, but Walker can win that job eventually. Um, and obviously, when you're talking about long term, he's eventually going to be the guy. You know, top in those that has, only has one more year on his contract. So you're looking at year two, year three. I think Walker can absolutely be a starter. Saw some pretty decent, de- de- decent things from Ben Shepard. You know, don't expect him to be uh, a top of the rotation guy uh, early, but certainly can make an impact over the course of 82. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, the, the two-way guys all played reasonably well. Uh, again, they're all going to be two-way guys. You know, I don't think any one of them is going to say, you know, establish himself as somebody who should be on a guaranteed deal uh, between now and October. But, you know, uh, guys get hurt, bumps and bruises. You, you kind of, you know, err on the side of caution over the course of 82 games. You know, it doesn't take a, a too big of a bump and a bruise for a guy to say, you know, take a day off. Um, so you can, you know, those guys will have some opportunities to get called up. Uh, Sheway as a rebounder is really phenomenal. There's other parts of his game that aren't quite there. Uh, I, I think the, the you know people talk about the shot that's not there, but that's not so much the thing that stood out to me. He's a little slow-footed on the perimeter, and I think that's an issue. You know, that's tough for a center. You got to be able to at least uh, provide some token defense. You, you can't get blown by on the pick and roll. You got to be at least be able to ride somebody if they switch you and. Sheboy just didn't seem to be moving quick enough for that. Um, so he's got to get better there, but, I mean, really is going to be able to rebound uh, at all levels. He averaged close to seven rebounds, and he was only playing 13 minutes a game, and that's just remarkable. Yeah, good stuff. Dustin Dopirak from the Indianapolis Star covering a lot of ground today with basketball. Dustin, thank you for the chat. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll head to a quick commercial break. We'll come back with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, local sports on deck with Josh. And just got a little news here. Brett Denby, senior at Jeffersonville. He was initially committed to Georgia to play baseball. A coaching change there. He decommitted from Georgia. And how about this? He announced just at the top of the hour he is going to go to Georgia Tech. He's committed there today. So from the state of Georgia, uh, the State University in Georgia, to Georgia Tech, 
uh, didn't be headed to Georgia, just to Georgia Tech instead of his initial commitment to the Georgia baseball program. So congratulations to him. Josh Cook is next. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is with me right now. Josh, this just in, Brett Denby, Jeffersonville senior, standout baseball prospect. He's going to play college baseball at Georgia Tech. Yep, uh, he, he originally committed to Georgia you know, so long ago, and then uh, I, guess, I guess he likes that state, so he's going to stay in, stay in Georgia and uh, go to Georgia Tech, so that's, that's great for him. Uh, congrats to him. You know, another uh, another local local kid going to going to a high level uh, you know power five conference program. So that's awesome, and uh, congrats to him. Well, I was especially glad to see his announcement earlier because the late coaching change with the Georgia baseball program left him kind of in no man's land. Uh, often, when a new coach comes in. Uh, you're opened up or you decommit from the program. And so the fact he's able to uh, find a home and a home at a high level is good for Brett Denby, good for Jeffersonville baseball. So neat to see him persevere through uh, a somewhat difficult situation where you think you know your destination, you've been committed there forever and ever, it seems, and all of a sudden the coach is gone and you're a free agent again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'm, I was happy to see him uh... I get that as well. So you know, we'll we'll uh, wait. we'll get to see him. Uh, you know, we'll keep up with him as he goes through uh, Georgia Tech, and you know, he'll he'll be playing some games in Louisville in the ACC. So look forward to, to hopefully seeing him there. Absolutely. All right, Josh, uh, you've been doing a great countdown to the high school football season with some headlines and stories every few days. Where are we at as far as days until the first regular season games? And do you want to go ahead and talk about one of the big week one contests, which is Silver Creek and Charlestown, the Battle of 403? Heck yeah, I think we're, uh, we're almost, it'll be 28, I think, on Friday. So we're about 30 at this point, 30 days away from, from kickoff of the high school football season, uh, August 18th. So yeah, uh, you know, getting excited about it. It'll... <laughs> You know that that first that first night definitely the the, the big game will be uh, Charlestown at Silver Creek. You know it's going to be going to be big for uh, for Silver Creek. You know it'll be opening night of their their new stadium. You know and uh, um, uh, that'll you know, I'm sure they'll look look for a huge crowd that night. You know I'm sure uh, uh, Dablo John Dablo wants all the all the uh, football stuff to be finished by then so they can. They can host the game and, and get that uh, get that big gate for the the, the first week. That's always nice, but uh, uh, that's that'd be a very interesting game. I think you know Charlestown obviously coming off they went undefeated in the regular season uh, last year, and uh, you know they've got some got some talent coming back and Clay McClellan at quarterback, um, and then Silver Creek on the other side. You know they've had a, they've had a couple of uh, maybe uh, 
500 seasons last last couple of years. So they're trying to trying to look to look to get it back to the winning winning side of the ledger. And uh, you know they'll they've got some young kids, some up and coming kids that you know they'll they'll try to they hopefully will uh, will be able to produce. And uh, you know that, I think that'll be that'll be a very interesting week one game for sure. It'll, it'll you know it'll be it'll kind of tell us uh, maybe a little bit about. Uh, each team and, and and maybe how their season's going to go. So I'm I'm excited for that one, uh, and uh, you know I'm sure hopefully everybody is in in Charleston and Silver Creek as well. Well, that game has been great for the area, especially with it being on Week One because it provides just a great atmosphere. And unfortunately, we, we don't see that all the time for high school football. We get a lot of good crowds from area schools, but that is one that really helps set the tone for the season, and it just creates a lot of excitement. I'm glad you brought up a new facility at Silver Creek. That's going to be a little extra bonus to that big Week 1 Battle of Highway 403 rivalry because, as you mentioned, the Dragons will be debuting a much improved and uh, basically new football facility. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I haven't I haven't been out there recently to see um, how the progress is going, but... You know, I've seen some pictures and stuff, and it looks like it's really going well. So, you know, that that'll be that'll be just gonna be great for Silver Creek. You know, all all new facilities over there as far as uh, football, baseball, and softball. So, you know, although I'm not sure baseball should should play there, um, they may they may keep their home field at uh, Clarksville Little League. You know, because that's where they won. That's where you know on the way to the state championship. So I don't know if they want to <laughs> uh, jinx that mojo or not, but. Uh, and uh, no, I'm sure they'll they'll they'll, they'll take that uh, they'll take their new field and uh, and run with it. But yeah, it's that's going to be an exciting first week uh, first week game. Um, and, and you know, like uh, as you mentioned, we don't get a lot of those, especially week one. What we used to have, what Providence and New Albany played every year in the first week, and uh, you know some of the other rivalry games. So it's nice to to start off with a big rivalry game like that. Yeah, and I was looking at some of the week one football games no question that the uh, silver creek charlestown game is at the top of the list uh, new albany opens with franklin how about this floyd central they open with uh, a road game at louisville st x that's a tough <laughs> one uh, for the highlanders in week one jeff they will host whiteland so for a couple schools new albany and jeff uh, off the top of my head uh, these are new week one games. Providence will host Indianapolis, Washington in week one. And uh, let's see, Clarksville, they have a game at Scottsburg in week one. Of course, Zach Hensel, the new football coach at Clarksville. So we're starting to get there, starting to think about it. We'll be having the coaches on soon. And I know you've been having a lot of conversations with some of those guys recently. But uh, high school football will be here soon enough. Josh, a, a basketball topic, the new Albany boys basketball job as of this week still open yeah yeah i, I didn't know if there would be any uh, movement on that at uh, the school board meeting the other night but uh, apparently there wasn't so i guess we'll have to wait till the next one uh, i believe it's in august so might have to wait till then and see, and see what happens then but yeah I, as you mentioned i think on the show you know they've they've come close to maybe hiring somebody and they kind of fell through at the last minute so you know, um, I guess uh, we'll see what happens with that job. But yeah, it's it's definitely uh, you don't you don't often see a job like uh, New Albany being being open this late in the in in the go round. You know, it's uh, I, I guess they officially won't have anybody hired until you know after the start of the school year because school year starts on August first, uh, New Albany. So 
um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how, how they do it. Uh, you know, I guess uh, um, B.J. McAllister, you know, he's he's uh, athletic director. He's kind of running the program in the interim, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in that regard. If he... Uh, you know, if, if he stays in that role uh, for the for the season, um, uh, um, I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll find out in um, maybe a month or so. Yeah, it will be interesting to see, and you would think we would find out more soon, definitely, uh, for that next school board meeting. It will be interesting to see. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. All the things we talk about, you can read about, most of them. Josh writes about them at newsandtribune.com and in the daily print edition of the paper. Zach, as we sign off today, a couple shout-outs to some local Little League teams doing well. Give us a quick rundown. That's right. New Albany 11-year-olds going for a state championship tonight. And uh, the 12-year-olds get started at Jeff tomorrow night. we got Jeff and HYR both in there. So good luck to all the Little League uh, baseball and softball teams still going. Absolutely. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll be back with you Thursday. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall joins the program. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.